Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks family. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. And welcome to the 196th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. And you can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And I am joined tonight by three of our best. Maybe the best, I mean, to be totally honest. Uh, these are folks that are going to walk you through some not huge Seahawks news, but... Seahawks news. And we need to talk about it. We need to get our feelings out on the table. And we are also going to talk about Seahawks free agents. Everyone on this screen has already submitted their preference about whether a Seahawks free agent stays or goes, as well as their prediction about whether said free agent will stay or go. We will go through those tonight. We didn't get to them last week, even with two shows, but we will get to them tonight. So help me God. And this is another two-show week. Tomorrow night, Dave Softy Mahler will join Dana and Jeff and me for another episode of Real Hawk Talk. So you'll get that tomorrow. And that is always unpredictable when it comes to Softy. Um, last, on that note, uh, I will be joining uh, KJR950 uh, at, I think, 3 o'clock on Friday to talk with Softy about Seahawks. So if you are in town and want to listen or you're out of town and want to stream it, uh, should be a good conversation always is on air. So 
those are some programming notes. And without further ado, let me bring in the crew. Uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, how are you? Oh, you're muted. I always think it's a good idea to mute and then I forget and I look like an idiot. Anyway, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, for asking, thanks. Good, good. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of happy Chiefs fans in Kansas City and um, could be only one more week though. <laughs> Gonna be interesting. I think, I think that Bills team looks like they could be a handful. I'm so tempted to go to that game. Like so tempted to go to that game. You can still get tickets and I'm like, oh, but it's going to be cold. So I probably. <laughs> uh, and then up north, further than Seattle, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. We've heard that for some people, Jeff is not quite loud enough. And I don't know if that's personality. I don't know if that's his takes or simply his audible volume, but we have attempted to boost his volume a little bit this week. Let us know in the comments and all those other things, uh, whether you're hearing him better than you have in the past. Jeff, welcome, dude. I don't know if that's your strategy to like turn me into like Stephen A. Smith or something and have me screaming all the time, but oh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Toronto on Twitter or on uh, the news the last couple of days, but they're it's been like a massive snowstorm and we were unable to leave our houses yesterday. So <laughs> it's been all Isn't that to just was, winter for you guys though. Yeah. But it was the worst, the worst storm I've seen in my years oh, wow. of life. So all I had was that stupid Rams game last night and Evan and Brian sending me their takes. So it's been a long couple of days. Well, that was the voice of, our fourth and final, but certainly not least member of the crew tonight, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Nathan, um, did you get a chance to watch any of Wildcard Weekend? Uh, I did, yeah. Uh, I watched uh, basically all of that Niners Dallas game, bits and pieces of the Chiefs and Steelers. Uh, I I missed like the first quarter of last night's game and then checked the score and, and never bothered to tune in because it was already over at that point. <clears throat> yeah, uh, let's start there, and then we'll, we'll get into the Ken Norton news. Um, what were your what were your takeaways from Wild Card Weekend? There's a lot of games going on across multiple days. Uh, Jeff, I mean, you and I were texting a lot, so I have some idea. But what were your kind of major takeaways? Uh, a couple of things. I think I think the addition of the seven seed has been very terrible. And we kind of got screwed that we lost out on Justin Herbert because of that kneeling thing that almost happened. But last couple of years, we've had Mitch Trubisky, Jalen Hurts, and the corpse of Big Ben. And it just led to bad, bad games. So that was my number one takeaway. There was a more blowouts this weekend than I can remember in any playoff weekend. From a Seahawks perspective, my, I kind of had two takeaways. Number one, watching the Eagles and watching the Cardinals last night. It was like, God damn, the Seahawks really should have made the playoffs. They're better than those two teams by pretty significant margin. We saw them outclass Arizona. Okay, and then my other take when I watched the Bills and the Chiefs and the, even the Rams is like, okay, well, the Seahawks should have made the playoffs, but damn, they still feel pretty damn far from a Super Bowl team. So you watch the Bills and you watch the Chiefs and they got a long way to go. So those were my main takeaways from the last couple of days. 
Yeah, Dana, I don't know what your thoughts. I want to hear. I, I thought the Bills looked far and away the best team um, that I saw play all weekend. I didn't see as much of the Bucks, so um, but people are like, oh, what about the Chiefs? I'm like, the Chiefs played like an expansion team. I, it's hard for me to, to give the Chiefs a ton of credit for looking good against that Steelers team. Um, I, I give the Patriots, I think the Patriots are a better team, a much better team than the Steelers, and the Bills just rolled them. I mean, they mm -hmm. made them look as bad as the Steelers and they're not as bad as the Steelers. So uh, I was super impressed by what I saw from the Bills. I mean, they didn't punt to like the fourth quarter or whatever. I don't know. It was crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah, th this weekend was really interesting, but I, I think that to Jeff's point, we saw the bad side of that seventh seed that teams like the Steelers are going to squeeze in there. And I really... I really expected a little bit more from New England. I think that Mac Jones looked a little bit like a rookie. I think he just looked young and, and that was kind of interesting. But I think that this upcoming Bills Chiefs game is going to be just fantastic because it's just going to be so um, explosive, hopefully. But we have to remember that the Rams looked amazing against the Cardinals. That questions how good the Cardinals really were going, losing four of their last five. And are the Rams that good? Are they going to look that good against Brady? Probably not, but then the line, I mean, there's just so many this year, there's a lot of kind of interesting little storylines popping up. And, and I think it, it makes it a little more fun. Um, I had a great conversation on Twitter last night after I um, got done tweeting the game for our turf. And I just said discussion because so that people wouldn't fight because you guys know how Twitter is. And I just said, do you think the Rams or the Niners can beat the Bucks or the Packers. And the conversation underneath of it was really fantastic. There were no homers really in it, but everyone gave both teams a chance to upset those big teams. So it could be fun next weekend. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. They're, they're good enough to beat any of the teams in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I think that that's likely. Um, I mean, I, Nathan, I want I want to hear your thoughts, especially. I don't know if you watched any of the Niners Cowboys game. That was that was the I think that was the most noteworthy game of the weekend. It was such a dumpster fire by the Cowboys. I mean, it was it was almost a work of art how much they blew that game. But uh, I don't know. I feel like whoever wins the Chiefs Bills game is going to win the Super Bowl. That's 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 my takeaway so far i think that's a fair bet um but i mean i don't know you have <clears throat> rogers and brady in the nfc too so i wouldn't uh i probably wouldn't put a lot of money on that if i was betting that um but i you know i don't know uh i'm a little worried that this manner team is going to give us heartburn for a couple more weeks um i, I don't know that uh, yeah, they're, they're clearly not the favorite against any of these better teams in the NFC, but um, they they do some things really well. And I mean, you see, I saw the obvious <laughs> downside with that team with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and how that can hurt them. But um, they can win games with them and they can beat good football teams with him. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see it all play out. It was uh, that, that Niners Dallas game was a lot of fun, though. It is a lot of fun to watch those kind of games when it's not the Seahawks. Uh, way less, you know, heart attacky. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. Um, so
So uh, let's see. I, I think that we've talked about what was going to go on potentially with the Seahawks for a while. And we're finally there and we finally have some answers. You could start by saying that the news is that Ken Norton Jr. was fired and we can talk about that. We will. But the news before that is that Pete Carroll, John Schneider were not. And from, from all reports, it wasn't even really a conversation. And my kind of takeaway is that I'm not sure that it was ever really something that was going to happen. I think, I think that that's just how ownership was going to roll here. And my guess was that there was just too many reasons that I've detailed a million times and I won't go over again, obstacles for why ownership would, would to keep them from, from, you know, firing guys that they just extended. And I think we might've learned a little bit about Jody Allen for the first time and maybe Burt Cole, depending on how much he had to say about it. Uh, and so I'm curious, what, what were your takeaways? Jeff, I know you've got strong feelings on this one. So let's start with you. Well, all year you were saying that that was the likeliest scenario. And I was hoping, to be honest, I was hoping for change, but I spent basically all day on Wednesday and Thursday, like recycling Twitter every two seconds. And because that meeting was going on and there, all the national people were implying something was about to go down. And so I came away a little discouraged that just there was no clarity for a while, but my takeaway, I think, is sort of what you just said. I don't think this really was a story for Jody Allen as much as we all thought it would. And maybe that's because of the national media. There was a lot of articles going around, like, there's no way all three of these figureheads will be back. And I was under that impression. So I've kind of come to the conclusion lately that I want to stop focusing on what I want to happen because it's a waste of my time with the Seahawks. I've spent a lot of time, like, dreaming of Vic Fangio last night or thinking like maybe they'll make a change and now I'm just going to focus on what they're actually might do and because yeah I thought there was a lot of rumblings last week that Pete Carroll might have been on the chopping block and they just went quiet they just acted like everything was normal I found it a little irritating that some of the media was kind of acting like I don't know why anyone would even think that but there's a I found that a little irritating but yeah I was not surprised because as you said that it was the most likely scenario but i was definitely a little discouraged uh, just in terms of my personal enthusiasm change is fun i was hoping to go into an off season where you can see a whole new staff get put together and see a new personnel get put together or a new vision of a team but i i also understand why the change was not there i don't agree with it but i understand it yeah I don't know if I want to say anything about the flexing that went on on Twitter. It was pretty cringy um, yeah. or cringe as the kids say. Uh, Dana, when you got that confirmation that Pete and John were coming back, what was your visceral reaction? Like well, when you knew it was, that was the direction, how'd you feel? Not surprised at all. I think that with the way the end of the season um, played out, um, and again, we were hearing from the media, oh, this could change, this could happen, blah, blah, blah. But you just didn't feel it. Pete wasn't acting like a guy on the ropes. I mean, seriously, right? Like he he was like, I'm good. 
and and granted Pete Carroll, we know lies, God love him, but he does. But you just didn't get a feel that there was going to be a huge shakeup. And so when they came out and said, oh yeah, no, they're staying. I'm like, of course they are. Yeah. And then we are now getting all these reports about Russ and we'll end up talking about Russ at nauseam throughout the rest of this you know, off season. But um, it's like, I just get the same thing. It's like, I'm kind of with Jeff. It's like, well, let's just wait and see what's put in front of us. But I wasn't surprised in the least. And actually I, I was perfectly okay with it. I'm, I'm not completely ready to dump everyone after one really bad season. And I know that will start a huge argument and there's variations in there. And I understand people have different, you know, definitions of success, but if you just look at the basics, basic football of it, they won the division last year and had an injured quarterback this year. I just didn't see big change coming. Nathan, you had talked about your, your points of view had kind of like gone up and down and where you kind of landed, but there was one of the three that you were, you'd kind of decided you wanted to go. Um, and that was John Schneider. Yep. Uh, how did you feel when you heard the news that, that he and, and Pete were staying? Um, I mean, yeah, not surprised. Uh, I didn't think it was as like a lock. They were all coming back, but um, that did seem like the most likely scenario. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly okay with it. Um, and I wonder, you know, it it was, it was interesting because, you know, we heard for weeks about this meeting and that it was going to happen and it was going to happen on Wednesday and then it's going to happen on Thursday. And then it was just complete radio silence for like three days. And then, uh, you know, people just basically started confirming that everyone was coming back because nothing had been said. And so it was just kind of by default, like, I guess they're all good. Um, but you know, now we've got some news with Norton and changes on the coaching staff. So, you know, I think, uh, I don't think we really know what state anyone is in, right. In terms of job security. Um, you know, I I don't, there there may have been serious thoughts about moving on from Pete. Um, maybe Pete was planning to make this change all along. Um, maybe it came down from ownership, you know, who knows? Um, but it's all kind of a black box right now. And so, uh, uh, I, and we have more rest rumors coming, like Dana was saying. So we'll, I, I don't know that we're really getting a lot of closure on all of this outside of we know it's all coming back for another year. And there were just too many reasons for that to make sense. The, the extensions, you know, they have historically been a, a successful team. You know, you have one year with an easy excuse for why it was unsuccessful. Um uh, and, you know, even with me, you know, I, I think if if I had to pick one of them to go, it would be Schneider. But even he has, you know, had some good drafts and, and done some good stuff the last couple of years. So, um, you know, unless you're just going to fire him over Jamal Adams, then it was hard to see really where the impetus for change was going to come, you know, that hadn't been there for a couple of years. Yeah. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Does this just, what does this make you, and Brian, I'd love to get your opinion, because we, we've talked about this a lot, about how we don't know who Jody Allen is. We don't know what type of owner is she, you know, go get her owner, what, what does she want? I don't think we know any more now. I, 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 this, if nothing else, made me think she's even a little bit less involved because nothing changed, but I mean, does it change your opinion of her? Does it, do we know anything different? I, I think that's a really good Good question. I, I I do think we know more. I don't think it's okay. definitive by any stretch. And the reason we know more is by the absence of action, right? So 
if she was a super reactionary, you know, I'm painting the, the opposite extreme where she just doesn't tolerate anything going wrong and she doesn't like fans being upset and she doesn't like, like, doesn't like the potential that the ticket ticket demand could go down, any of that stuff, right? Then she could have been one of those owners that's just like, you're gone, doesn't care. Or that it would tell us a lot if she actually made that move. The fact that she didn't doesn't confirm for us what kind of owner she is, but it does give us some more information about what kind of owner she is not. And so I don't see her as the Jerry Jones. She's never going to be the Jerry Jones owner. Like, I, I don't, I think that we probably knew that before. I think this is further evidence that, you know, my personal expectation until she does something different is that she is more of a steward and a passive owner than someone who's so invested in what's going on that she is going to be actively managing this thing. And so I think it's going to take the team really like going downhill to the point of fans and the business suffering as a result. I guarantee you they have less people on the 12 waiting list or whatever it's called for season tickets than they did before. And it's not just because of the team performance, but I think those types of indicators are going to be things that she'll pay attention to. And I'm sure she gets engagement reports on social and what's going on here and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, there's nothing I've found from how she handled this that changed my perspective on my guess of what, what kind of owner she is and what, how she's going to handle herself. Does that make sense? Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think most of those things are good qualities in an owner. Now Definitely. we don't know to the degree that she is patient or maybe checked out, right? Um, it, it's still very possible that she's just oblivious or uninterested. I mean, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that, that's going around about her um, without any real evidence, I, I don't think. Um, but I think on the whole, I would much rather have a patient owner, even with all my complaints about Pete Carroll and, you know, thinking that maybe John Schneider should go especially in different things. To, to look at this team and to, you know, the staff and what they've accomplished over the years and to say, I'm just going to keep the ship steady, uh, you know, not not like a damning uh, um, decision by her. Agreed. So let's move on to, to what actually did happen, um, not the absence of things happening. And here's what I think happened. Um, you guys tell me if you have a different read, but... Uh, we had talked about it even before this weekend. This wasn't some huge bombshell for folks that have been watching this show. We talked about the fact that Pete was asked after the season if he's going to be any changes to his staff. And he, in a very un-Pete-like way, said, we're not going to talk about that now. Like in the past, he's been very upfront about everyone's coming back. We saw last year how that backfired with Brian Schottenheimer, where he changed his mind a few days later, or they had a conversation that changed his mind. And so to me, that stuck out. And it, even if, if he knew for sure people were staying, I think he would have been more forthright. So I was already, my ears were kind of perked. And I thought Ken Norton was the guy. I think that Pete has not been pleased with how the defense has played. I think the players have not been pleased with how the defense has been called. 
not all of them, but enough of them. We talked about DJ Reed and I mean, Jimmy Trey Flowers when he was here. There were some really damning coaching related commentary from the players, both during the season and after the season. And so I think Pete went into that meeting explaining what he was going to do. I think that generally they let the, the playoff games go on. They don't want to interrupt the news cycle. And so they waited till the last playoff game was essentially over and then they make the announcement. Um, and that's when the news comes out. And that's when we saw the Bob Condotta, Condotta article for the Seattle Times, uh, I think with Adam Jude, announcing that they were going to part ways. And it's not only Ken Norton Jr., it is also Andre Curtis. That was a surprise from my perspective, um, the secondary coach. And so this group, we talked last week, this group gave, everybody gave Ken Norton Jr. a C, other than I gave him a D. Um, and so I want to hear from all of you. One, like, how do you feel about this? Is this good news? Is it no news? We know it's not fake news. So Nathan, I mean, what do you think uh, about this, this change? Uh, I was pretty surprised. Um, you know, we've been critical of Pete in the past for, you know, hanging on to his guys for too long. And I think Norton's definitely one of his guys. Um, uh, I, I think it's probably, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm really, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. I'm really interested to, to see how it shakes out in terms of who they go and hire. Um, if they end up promoting from within, that would be, really really interesting um so yeah i mean i was pretty surprised uh although not shocked um and yeah I, i'm I, I i don't have a ton definitively to say on it you know um but i'm super interested to see where it all goes jeff how about you i was not surprised i kind of have the same read as you brian uh, i think i said to the group that i thought it was like almost zero percent that shane waldron got fired so I could go on about that, but from Norton, I just thought there was a lot of telling quotes from the players and there was a lot of, there were a lot of good things we did. I think we covered some of them. I think Nathan talked about some of the schematic changes he made last week. There's a lot of people on Twitter who really thought he made some innovative changes on defense, but I just thought the the consistent pattern of slow starts coming out of training camp and some of the comments here from the players and hearing Jamal Adams and Dunlap openly talk about them not being used properly or being up, no, or maybe being upset with their usage. I was not surprised. Again, this is where I'm kind of conflicted in terms of what I want to happen versus what I think will happen and kind of trying to figure out the balance there. If it was me and I was doing this search, my goal, I'd be hoping that they did what Sean McVay did a couple of years ago, where Sean McVay did not go with someone he knew. He went and tried to find the best possible candidate around the league. And what he did is that he said, which defense gives me the most trouble? And it was Vic Fangio's. So he took one of Vic Fangio's guys, Brandon Staley, who has been, who was a one-year guy who was so successful at his job, he got instantly promoted to head coach of the Chargers. I think it's not going to be that way. I think Pete's going to go more on the familiarity side. Makes me a little nervous, to be honest. Um, but I, I think the names that are coming out are pretty telling. I don't know how great I'd feel about an internal candidate or some of the names being mentioned, but again, this is not about how I feel. It's about what I think the team's going to do. So I think some of the names that you're hearing sort of make sense. 
And I think I understand people's line of thinking on it, but I was not surprised. I'm hoping they can bring in an exciting young hire, but I, I don't say I'm expecting it. Dana, uh, Ken Norton Jr. was brought on in 2018, I believe, as the DC, the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. The Seahawks DVOA ranking on defense. I'm going to give you a couple of years. So uh, in 2017, it was 13. Okay. Uh, 2018, it went up to 17. 2019, 21. 2020, it was 16. 2021, it was 21 again. So how much of that do you lay at the feet of Ken Norton Jr.? Well, one, one of the narratives that we, we keep hearing and is that, you know, oh, it's just Pete's defense. Pete does it. It's not, Ken Orton Jr. just, you know, is a vessel for which, you know, Pete's wisdom goes through and the defense. And I don't know that I really buy that. And the really why, the reason I, I don't know that we can lay the defensive blame at Pete's feet is because of what has happened over the last couple of years when they have these slow starts. Pete has to go in and fix it. And it's like, so he goes in and he helps. We know that he goes in and he starts to take over. So I think he gave Ken Norton Jr. a lot of leeway and said, you know, this is your defense until it wasn't working. And then he has to sweep in and fix it. So I lay a lot of that at the feet of Ken Norton. Now, also, we have to look at talent levels. You have to look at depth. You have to look at injuries. You have to look at all that other stuff too. But I just really feel like, people aren't giving Ken Norton Jr. enough credit for the issues that the defense had had over the last few years. They automatically just go to blame Pete and that's just Pete bias. But I do think that he deserves, he deserves that credit for some of the issues that they they've gone through now. Yes. Pete's a defensive coach. He likes certain schemes. We all know that we get that, but Ken was Norton was the, the DC. So he, he is ultimately then responsible for that up until Pete has to go in and fix it. Um, Nathan, this is, I mean, this is such a tough one because on one hand you can say, well, yeah, Ken Norton was doing the bad things and Pete was coming in to save him to do the good things, but you know, that happened last year, not we this last really year, but the season I mean, oh, I think we know, I think we I think don't we know. know. I think there's a lot that we don't know. I think it's hard to separate and know for sure where Pete stepped in and where Pete maybe steered things wrong. And Ken Norton was following orders. Like I've always thought Ken Norton was hired to be a yes man for Pete. Like, I don't think Ken Norton has much of his own perspective on what the defense should do. I do think he was responsible for calling the game. And I do think that he does not have a real identity as a defensive coordinator and maybe never will. So I was never high on Ken Norton as a DC, but it's really hard for me to say, this is where Ken Norton is responsible separate from Pete. I mean, Nathan, do you have a... There's people out there who don't want to give him say he's responsible for any of it, and that's that's illogical. Say that Ken Norton's not responsible for any of it. Yeah, that is. I'm saying there's people out there who's like, oh, it's not Ken. Ken doesn't do anything. It's just Pete. It's like that's not the case either. It's it's weird to think that Pete is just like 
completely hands off for the first six weeks and and Norton runs it all into the ground and then Pete comes in and like you know saves the day like that would be a very odd approach for him to take I think so you know uh, but I mean I think Brian's ultimately right we don't know um I, I don't know that either <laughs> either option here is really uh clearing Pete of a lot of blame um but this is what's this is what's so hard to make of the whole thing is that and, and this is why I think that you have to wait until to see who they hire um because they could go that route that Jeff is talking about and they could go find somebody new that Pete doesn't really know and that um you know bring something different right uh and that would be really encouraging I think that would say a lot uh about Pete and his willingness to adapt and about what he thought of Norton and some of those things um you know if they end up though just promoting Clint Hurt um what a weird thing that would be because now you're you're looking at two guys right Pete Carroll who who is you know a defensive guy uh whatever we think about when he stepped in and what his role is there and then Hurt who is also on the staff and should be involved in this he's assistant head coach so like these two would not be, you know, clear of the issues that this team has had, or either that, or they just like let bad things happen because Norton's is a DC. And like, so there's, there's all these weird things to kind of untie with a bunch of different scenarios. Right. Um, so it, it's super interesting. And I just don't know that we're, I don't think we'll have a really good perspective on it until we actually see what direction they go with the next hire um you know today it's just like yeah obviously there were issues with the defense they were you know terrible in certain you know yardage stats and they started horribly and but then there's a flip side where there's points per drives and so there's we can rehash that big old argument but I, I don't think we'll really understand a lot about what Pete's where Pete's coming from on this um until we see which direction they go I also wouldn't rule out that this is something that came down from ownership um I don't know that that's likely, but it's certainly possible. And it could explain why Pete was unwilling to be definitive about who's coming back because maybe he didn't know what he was going to be asked to do. Um, so yeah, I, it's a, it's a big mystery. I think right now still. Yeah. So Jeff talking about what we want to see happen from here and what we think will happen. Um, I know some of your dreams have been dashed, so you're you're you, you retreated to what you think is going to happen. I, I mean, but let's play let's play this logically out. So what we know, at least what's been reported, Ken Norton's John gone, Andre Curtis is gone, secondary coach, defensive coordinator, and the initial report of coordinators candidates they were talking about were Ed Donatel, who is a Vic Fangio guy. Um, he was DC for Denver for the last couple of years. Um, who's had a very good defense. Some people might think of Ed Donatell as the Ken Norton Jr. to <laughs> Vic Fangio that Ken Norton was to Pete. Like it's Vic Fangio's defense, so to speak. We also heard about Clint Hurt, who's an internal candidate. And we also heard that part of what Pete wants and part of the reason for separating from Ken Norton, and this is also part of why I don't think it came from ownership, is the Seahawks did change their defensive approach. They do want to play more too high. Uh, it limited explosive plays this year, but they didn't get enough pass rush. And so 
that does point to wanting to bring somebody in that has that awareness and that expertise more so than somebody who's maybe in-house unless they weren't able to say anything and they had no power before that seems very un-Pete Carroll-like so my sense is that they are going to look externally and they are going to look for someone who has more experience in that style of defense to add to their expertise the other names that have come out as recently as today are guys like Gus Bradley, because the Raiders fired their coach and, you know, he might be available. Obviously he was DC here before well-loved secondary guy. Um, and then Mark Juan Manuel um, was named, was mentioned. Uh, Terrell Austin in Pittsburgh was mentioned. These are all coming from a Bob Condota article from, from today. So that's kind of where, to me, it would make sense. I could follow the logic of what they're doing. If they were just to hire within, I don't understand how that tracks. So a couple of things. Um, Clint Hurt is one of the most respected position coaches in the league. And Miami has been trying to hire him as defensive coordinator. So there's been some thinking, I think, among Seahawks fans that maybe this is a way to prevent him from leaving. Um, Hurd has not been a defensive coordinator at this level. He's been only a position coach. So there would be a lot of questions about whether he can do the job. He's never called defenses. You'd have, we saw what happened with Shane Waldron adjusting in his first year as a play caller. And there was a pretty big learning curve. Hurt, um, it'd be a little odd for a pass rush group that hasn't been very successful to promote the head of that to be the defensive coordinator. But at the same time, there's a lot of questions in terms on the personnel side. And if you heard heard on Mike Duger's podcast last year, he sounded a little pissed off about the way the pass rushing group has been handled. He was pissed off that Jaron Reed was let go. He was pissed off that Clowney wasn't signed. He was pissed off that Jacob Martin got traded after developing him. So I don't know if it's fair to blame him for like that group, but I think him being mentioned, what Brian said, that Adam Jude report came out and that pass rushing was the issue, seeing the D-line coach being mentioned as a possible candidate sort of makes sense that wants to be the basis of their defense Donatel as you mentioned has been a Fangio not only in Denver he's been with them since 2011 dating back to three stops so he was his DB coach in San Francisco when he was with Harbaugh then when he went to Chicago Donatel was the DB coach in Chicago and honest and oddly enough DB uh, Donatel and Hurt coached together on Vic Fangio's bear staff so there's also rumblings there might be a, a cove situation where Donatel is like the veteran mind. He's been a defensive coordinator and they can sort of groom Hurt. I don't think Gus Bradley makes any sense at all. Gus Bradley, even going back to this season with the Raiders, was still just running cover three. They were being picked apart by a lot of teams because they weren't adjusting schematically. And there's reports today that he's almost going fully away from cover three and now he wants to build the defense. So I think that would almost be discouraging despite him being pretty successful here before. And then again, all we're hearing is guys and Donatel, he coached with Pete Carroll and the Jets in the early nineties and even dating back to like Pacific University. So a lot of the names we're hearing are just old time Pete guys, Pete loyal guys. So I don't know if they're just still looking at externally, but that's sort of what Pete's probably going through right now. And all the ties have been people that Pete's either worked with or have been tied to past schemes. Do we know anybody else that would fit the logic of 
you know, has that, that background in Vic Fangio's style of defense. Are there any great D D line coaches um, that any of you are aware of that, that jump out as, I mean, Dana, you talked about uh, in Buffalo, their defensive line coach. Eric Washington. Yeah. He was a defensive coordinator um, for the Panthers prior. And then he went up to Buffalo. Um, and I love the way that defense is put together. So he has the experience of being a DC, but then has that, that depth um, at the line coach. So I think that that's a name I, I would be excited to hear. You know, everyone talks about Dable, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that defense. So I like that idea. Um, the other name that out there, they got put out there that I don't know that it fits style or anything. I didn't pay enough attention to the Saints, but the Saints, um, their secondary and defense pass coach is Joe Witt Jr. And he's very highly thought of. I don't know enough about their scheme to be quite honest with you because I just didn't want to watch a lot of Saints games. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle decided to go with an unknown. They did it with offensive coordinator. I mean, remember that shocked the crap out of us. Like none of us expected that. Right. And so I don't know that it would be such a big stretch to have a young guy come in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that just wouldn't really surprise me so much. Well, I think it's really hard for us to identify defensive coordinator candidates because unless they've been there before, they can't make lateral moves. So it's either a failed head coach or a position coach who's going to do it for their first time. So I don't see how we can know it's such a different job than being a position coach. You see it with Ken Norton. So it's really hard for us to identify who an up and coming guy would be. Yeah. None of the guys that we just talked about or that Dan just talked about have uh, ties, direct ties with Vic Fangio anyways. I mean, he has kind of a tree now, so who knows what the influences are. Um, I don't remember who, who wrote it now. It might've been field goals. It might've been that Condata article. It might've been somebody else. So apologies, but um, they uh, pointed out that Pete's only ever hired a defensive coordinator that he didn't already know um, twice going back to his Patriots day uh, days. Uh, and really uh, Steve Sidwell, I think the guy's name was, uh, he was apparently a defensive coordinator here in Seattle too. Uh, really maybe he's the only guy that really counts because he inherited Gus Bradley um, he decided to keep Bradley and, and on the recommendation of um, uh, Kiffin, uh, Papa Kiffin. Uh, so, you know, I think he, he does get some credit for that. Um, but yeah, so it, it does seem very, very likely that he will go, you know, and, and grab somebody that here he's already familiar with. And, and you know, Manuel, Marco Manuel is a guy that has kind of gone out and spread his wings. You know, he started here, he's young. So like, you know, that, that could still be an exciting or at least interesting hire. Um, but yeah, I don't think that, you know, he's going to go, I don't think we're going to see a real splashy, interesting out of the, you know, blue kind of Brandon Staley type hire. That would be surprising. I, I agree with you about Marquand Manuel. I think he was the last great secondary coach that they've had. Um, I think Chris Richard is Richard was not, as good, um, to be totally honest. I think Marco Emanuel actually was able to teach the step technique, I think, pretty well. And a lot of the DBs credited him for that. And I think he showed the ability to take some of that expertise to other places he's gone and has produced some decent DBs where he's gone. So I like Marco Emanuel. Um, 
I wish he had stayed healthy in the Super Bowl. Um, other than that, I like Marquand Manuel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would be most excited for a name that we've never heard, to be honest. That would just be nice because it would show some divergent thinking. And I think we're all looking for that instead of just fishing from the same pond, like, you know, tired of eating the same fish. And I think we all feel that way. Um, that said, I mean, I wouldn't, Ed Donatel would not thrill me, but I do like, I do like the path that they're, if they're thinking along those lines, I do think we saw a different defense this year, bare fronts and all. And I think we saw legitimately excellent run defense, not just good, but excellent by any metric. And I think we saw good point limiting um, in terms of that. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. And I think we saw improvement in coverage. I think we saw DBs that looked like they were getting better. There were some holes, but I think it, it looked like it was coming together. But really it was missing as a pass rush. So we didn't see as many explosive plays in the second half of the year. Seahawks were one of the best teams in the league at, at making teams have to go, you know, a number of plays to do it. So um, I think the formula is solid and, and I think they do need, look, when this defense was great, it was marrying Dan Quinn's expertise on the defensive line with Pete Carroll's expertise in the secondary. That's when I think this defense was its best. And so I do like the idea of someone being hired that has defensive line chops. Um, so, so why is Clint Hurt the one still here? What do you mean? Like, wasn't the defensive line the most ah, disappointing part said. of it? Yes. Well, no, that's where it becomes a personnel versus coaching thing. That's the tricky part. Was 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 DJ Reed and Sidney Jones and Blesson Austin like? Is that like such a wealth of talent compared to Carlos Dunlap and Daryl Taylor and Puna Ford? Like that? It's 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 it, the fact that Hurt is still here, and I get it. Like there is that argument that oh, you know, Miami is trying to poach him or whatever. Like first well, of all, it'd be sorry. Huh? I got to jump in, Nathan. Do you think Clint Hurt was calling for Carlos Dunlap to drop into coverage? I, I don't know. Was he well? So this is the thing. Was there some disagreement there? That's what I'm wondering. That's where I would look. I doubt Clint Hurt went in and said, "You know what, Carlos Dunlap would be great at is covering a receiver 15 yards downfield." But but you're saying the but but if the concepts are good and you're looking for somebody to just like call it better, are you still going to be in that situation? And and like, was Pete, were, were Pete and Clint looking at it and being like, this is fucking stupid. Why are we dropping Vincent <laughs> Mayoa into coverage? But they're just but like, but, but Kenny's calling it. So we're just going to keep doing it all year long. Like, there's probably a lot of gossiping going on in those young offices. I, I, honestly, like, if they promote Hurt, that is like, there is like 30 for 30 material there, probably to like what that drama was. Cause, that would just be a really fascinating thing. I, I don't know if they do that, but then if it actually gets better, right? <laughs> well, then if it actually like, gets better, then I guess then it really out. looks bad for Ken Norton Jr. <laughs> and if you want to learn about her, her was on Mike Duger's podcast. When they asked him about the uh, Benson Mayo uh, Bruce Irvin signings, and you hear the tone in his voice, it sounded a lot like how we felt. So some of these things may be out of his control, but I want Nathan on that. I think if, and the coach came out at the end of the year and was like, 
we need to get better at pass rushing. We can't, we can't rush the passer. Oh, we're going to promote our defensive line coach. It's a hard sell, man. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there'd be legitimate skepticism if, if that's the way they go. I don't think there's any of these names that would generate a lot of fan excitement that I've seen so far. Um, I don't know. I mean, the name that I would be most excited about is Vic Fangio. <laughs> like, and folks here are saying no percent chance of that happening. Uh, there's some rumors. I don't think they're confirmed about contractual issues that would keep him from becoming a DC or he'd have to forego his salary and uh, that he's still getting paid as a head coach for Denver. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about all that. What I would hope is that Pete at least talks to Vic Fangio. That's what I hope. If nothing else, they have the conversation either for Vic to join or for Vic to say, this is someone you should really give a chance to. This person's going to be excellent. Like, that's what I hope happens. And I don't think that's totally unlikely to happen unless Vic and Pete have some sort of history I don't know about where they don't like each other. Um, Stanford USC. <laughs> yeah. 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 I will, I will just say, I mean, like, um, uh, Doug, Sherm, guys that played in Stanford, they raved about Vic Fangio, how smart he was, um, and, and how amazing of a defense coordinator he was. So, well, the, Den the Denver defense wasn't their problem this year. The Denver mm -hmm. defense was fantastic. So, yeah. All right. So anything more that you guys want to talk about? Well, I guess we could just quickly say, I mean, do we have, does anyone have a feeling of time frame for how long is it reasonable to expect this to, this to take to, to find that new coach, Jeff? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's, I think there's eight openings in the NFL right now and none of them have even teams seem to be a little more patient this year, which is a good sign. And they're not rushing. There was no hiring the first week. We're almost midway through the next week. So I think the Seahawks could just sit back and see how these staffs shake out and see if anyone falls through the cracks that they weren't expecting or someone puts together a staff that someone might come available. I think it can be anywhere from one to two, one to two weeks. I don't think there's any rush on their end to get this job done. Well, I'm going to look up real quick unless, uh, unless somebody knows this off the top. So the Seahawks hired Shane Waldron January 27th last year. Um, Brian Schottenheimer Didn't fired. Didn't feel like it took forever, though? Weren't they one of the last ones to fill that? Brian Schottenheimer was fired January 12th. So that's like a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And it was before the Super Bowl. And But they, they, that was a little true. They had to get Russell on board. There was a lot of dynamics there. So, I mean, it... It seems that it's reasonable that within, you know, by the end of the month, they might have that name. That's a fact, bigger two weeks. And then that person's going to hire, I would assume that person would hire the secondary coach. So, uh, yeah. So I think we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. I think I would say that we're all happy that they've moved on from Ken Norton Jr. Everyone agree with that? Anyone disagree with that? I wouldn't say I'm happy. I'm not. I'm. I'm in a fairly indifferent at this point. Okay. Definitely not sad. Yeah. I mean, I'm not happy because I'm sure that they're going to get a superior 
defensive coordinator that's going to solve the whole scheme problems. But I think they'd have a hard time finding someone who is less capable at calling a good game. I just think Ken Norton Jr. was never and maybe never will be someone who is good at calling defenses. I just, that's, that's not what I, that's not, that's my impression of him. Um, and, and so I'm, I'd like to have somebody that I feel more, Dan Quinn's a guy who I always felt like made it hard for offenses and they had to adjust. I just never really got that feeling with Ken Norton Jr. calling. I'll say this, and I think Evan passed along this message today, but whoever they hire, um, say what you want about Jamal Adams, and we could talk about that trade all day, but you got to hope they could get a little more out of this guy. Uh, They're paying him a ton of money. They traded a ridiculous compensation package for him. So I think that should be a pretty big factor in terms of, judging the next coordinator because man they could not get enough they turned him into like a pretty average coverage player who had zero sacks this year and his blitzes were just not even close to effective so i think that should be a thing that it's kind of that conversation sort of slipped through the cracks but yeah man, it did not go well this year yeah i think that's a great point it's not just and it's not just jamal adams i think that's that's the obvious one carlos dunlap's another one who was not used well this year I think you could argue Benson Mayo wasn't used necessarily that well this year. Alton Robinson didn't get playing time earlier on. Like there's a lot of things personnel decision wise where, I mean, Trey Flowers was stuck with for a long time. Like we, we think so much about defensive coordinators just got to be this genius. Some of it's just like, God, do like the obvious things like, and stop getting in your own way. So um, speaking of that, let's talk about, uh, some of the guys that the Seahawks are going to have to make decisions about heading into um, this year. And we're going to start by talking about their free agents. So uh, we have a list of, let's see, I think it is, well, hold on. It is 15 players um, who are Seahawks free agents. And we're going to go, we'll figure out what order we're going to go. We might not go through all of them, but let me, let me tell you the ones that there is uniform agreement across this crew. Cause I have it all listed and voted. Um, and I'm going to specifically call out the people that we both, that we all predict that we want to go and that we predict is going to go. Okay. So there's only a few people that I think all of us are in agreement. Uh, Robert Kimdichi. I don't think anyone's expecting him to come back. Um, <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Everyone else, we've got some Wait, disagreement. I thought we all agreed on everything all the time. I don't understand. I'm no, so we don't. We all have the same I opinion, I heard. Alex <laughs> Collins. We also agree on Alex Collins. Yes, Alex Collins. No, that's not true. Dana thinks we should sign Alex Collins. She thinks he's going to leave. Oh, I wasn't looking at Tim's. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Evan didn't fill his out. Or and actually, I didn't look at yours there. either, Brian. I was just looking at the important people, me and Jeff and Derek. All right, I'm going to hide those. <laughs> I'm proud to be part of that crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get uh, Derek. Brandon Schell. Brandon Schell. We all agree on Brandon Schell. Do we? 
Let go, yes. let go, let go. Okay, Brandon Shell. There you go. Thank you, Nathan. I was trying to eyeball this really quickly. You can see how much prep we do for the show. Oh, actually filled out this spreadsheet is really a big deal. Um, so Brandon Shell, maybe as a surprise to some folks, every single one of us believes that they should let him go and that they will let him go. Um, you know, I'll just speak quickly about this because I don't think we have to belabor. If you guys feel like you want to add more, feel free. But Jake Curhan played capably. Um, at right tackle, Brandon Shell is going to cost some money. You've got openings at left tackle and at center. If you're going to have to spend money, I think we we all feel like that's where you should direct the money. And you've also got Stone Forsyth on the bench. Maybe he could give it be given a shot to go at right tackle. And maybe there's cheaper right tackles you could figure out to compete with Jake Curran. So Brandon Shell is not. I mean, he's a fine starter. I don't think he was a bad player for the Seahawks, but I don't think any of us feel like he's the guy you have to spend money to keep. So I think that's where we all were on that. All, we all think Rasheen Green is leaving too and should leave or, you know, yeah. Ah, yes. Well, let's talk about that. Thanks for the help, Nathan. Um, so I teased this on Twitter. I think that... Signing Rasheem Green would be the biggest mistake the Seahawks could make this offseason. I've been back and forth on this, and um, Rasheem Green's not been bad. He's only 24. He has developed. He had six and a half sacks this year. He can play edge, interior. You know, he has some pass rush capabilities as he's shown. Um, he could be still improving. The reason I feel that way is because I just – I don't think Rasheem Green's shown anything to indicate that he can be even a Pro Bowl level player. I think that he can be an above average starter, which is good. But at 24 years old, coming off a six and a half sack season, that was his best season. I think he's going to command a decent salary that I would much rather, having looked now at the free agents and who's available, I would much rather them spend less money for less years on a proven veteran who's you know older has less less years left but a more likely to be a a reliable pass rusher than Rasheem Green and to me is very much like the Shaquille Griffin situation of last year where it would not surprise me if the Seahawks try to sign Rasheem Green and I think we have to hope that someone's going to offer him enough money that they decide not to match because if they had signed Shaquille Griffin for the money that they paid him, I think that would be have been a debilitating move for for the Seahawks defense um, overall. So I think Rasheem Green, for me, has fallen pretty close to that category. And and Jeff, I'm kind of curious. You know, we've all were agreement there, but but how do you feel about Rasheem Green? I think it's kind of surprising we all agreed because he's talented and he is growing. Um, I think it summarizes more the state of the Seahawks roster outlook. And Rasheem Green himself. Seahawks right now have a lot of uncertainty in their roster. You mentioned both tackles are free agents. They have their best player on defense, a free safety is a free agent. We'll get over the tight ends, both tight ends. They have a lot of players to sign. So they're not in a mature enough roster point. I don't mean mature from an age standpoint or from like an actual maturity standpoint. I just mean they're just not in a position to sign almost a role player to a large salary. And Green in this market, I think, is going to do really well. He's young. He's emerging. His analytics were really good this year. Um, he's a guy who can get like eight to nine million dollars. I think this market really caps about to shoot up. 
teams like Jacksonville or some other teams who need money could pay Rasheem Green a lot of money. And we kind of had this debate with Quinton Jefferson and the Seahawks didn't have as many people to sign back then, but you got to sign a left tackle, a center, a free safety, tight ends, running back maybe. We'll cover all the names on this list. To put significant resources into a rotational alignment to me just doesn't make sense. Uh, Nathan, anything you want to add about Rasheem Green before we start going down the list of, of other interesting topics? I know that I was kind of surprised for where you were, were on this because you've been a big Rasheem Green supporter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a price thing. Price thing. I think uh, he will get paid too much, and so he'll end up going. You know, if you can get him on the Quentin Jefferson deal, I would I would jump at that, which was like four and a half million or something like that, I think. So something like that would be awesome, but I think he's going to go quite a bit higher than that and not really make sense for them. Got it. Awesome. All right, so let's start at the top. And then we're going basically in descending cap hit order um, for folks following along. I know everyone else is doing the same thing. Dana, the first person on this list is Dwayne Brown. Mm-hmm. And you um, you have him predicted, uh, you want him to be signed and you predict he's going to be signed. Um, and I'm actually changing my vote because I've done more research. So I'm doing that real time. Um, that Nathan, <laughs> you want him to be signed. Jeff, you want him to be signed. Derek wants him to be signed. I am currently the only person that wants him to be let go. Does anyone else want to change their vote? Okay. Dana, tell me why you want them to re-sign Dwayne Brown. So Dwayne Brown just said this week that he wants to play for one more year and he wants to play in Seattle. I think that this season, the way he played this season, that they should sign him for his last season. I think that he played well enough and, and for the amount of money that it sounds like he might, you know, I, I don't know that they'll, I don't think that they'll have to spend a ton to keep him for one more season. And, and I think that he, he was played pretty well this year. So it, there seems to be a, a why not to that to me. Jeff, Nathan, anything you guys want to add about where you are on the Dwayne Brown side? Take that as a no. Uh, quickly, I think Russell Wilson will be back. I think he'll want that left tackle. I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, Brian. I, I, uh, I can see that. I, I, I already know what you're going to say. I can predict it. But um, I think, again, the cost uh, won't be too super prohibitive. His body started to show some signs. I don't think it'll cost too much. And I think bringing back the left tackle at that position group where there's been a lot of concerns, I think that makes a lot of sense because I do think Russell will be back next year. Yeah, so the reason I started with sign was wanting that and predicting it is for the reason you guys mentioned. I mean, you know what you've got in Dwayne Brown. You can get him for a cheaper deal. Yes, he is degrading. He doesn't seem like he's, there's no reason to expect him to be better next year. Um, to me, it's very much the Jason Peters in Philadelphia kind of situation where, you know, the guy was basically like they'd roll him out of the cart. He like still somehow was better at left tackle than anyone that they would put in there. Uh, but then it gets to the point where he's just not. And um, I don't think Dwayne Brown would be the worst case scenario. I think I think you can you can have a decent line with Dwayne Brown as your left tackle still at the level he is. But what changed my mind was looking at the free agents at left tackle and and there's a few different options, whether it's uh, Tron Armstead, uh, Orlando Brown. Um, I think there's a few guys that are younger and good that, are intriguing to me. And I would, 
much rather them look at investing in a left tackle that can be around for the next three years and not have to worry about that position and grow with that player than hope that you, because we don't know that Dwayne Brown will make it through another season. That's the thing. Like we could talk about his level of play, but his injury situation is precarious. And so I would like them to look at those types of players um, in free agency um, but my expectation is that they're going to sign Dwayne Brown. That's my guess. But it would, I mean, after I looked at some of the names, I don't think Orlando Brown's going to cost a ton. Um, maybe I'm wrong. He's younger. He's never been great, but he's been good. Um, I think there's some other guys that are just worth taking a look at. So that's kind of where I'm at on left tackle. Um, so we, we have a little bit of different point of view there. Uh we almost all agreed on Quandre Diggs, who's next. Everyone was like, we should sign him. Everyone thinks we should sign him. But Jeff, you're predicting he's going to leave. Why? I think he played too well and might have priced himself out. Um, I can see this just being one of those Seahawks offseason where everyone's just left saying, how the hell did this happen? And he's just what they paid Jamal and what he might get. And he's got an agent who when seems to win every negotiation he's in and I worry that he just might get too much money and the Seahawks might just get caught in the middle of that considering what they paid Jamal I don't know if they can afford to put say 33 million dollars on their cap towards the safety position so there's nothing towards my I would personally love I as you said I I want him to be signed I, I think that he might have played too well where he gets an offer that they just can't match well that'll be the thing to watch I mean I think we all agree that it it would be wise to bring him back. Um, there are a ton of safeties in the market, like good safeties in the market. So I recommend people taking a look at the PFF top 100 free agent list. Um, I found it interesting. It's one perspective, but even just looking at that, I saw safety after safety after safety. And so I wonder if, if Quandre will, especially with his injury, if he'll get the, the, the contract he deserves. Uh, next, DJ Reed. Uh, everybody agrees that he should be signed. So we all want him back. Um, Nathan, though, you, in this case, predict that he's going to go. I can guess why, but why don't you offer your opinion? Yeah, so I think <clears throat> with Diggs, I think there's a chance that he prices himself out, but I actually think, I don't think Pete's going to let him go. Um, he's the only guy who's reliably turned the ball over uh, on defense, and I, I, if Pete lets him walk, I'd be shocked. So I, I think they'll they'll make a really strong uh, offer on digs with Reed. Um, the corner market's just crazy. I mean, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where, you know, I, I can't really put much space between him and Shaquille in terms of, uh, you know, quality and, and ability and like the, the play. Right. Uh, and, and Quill got uh, a big contract. So I think with the disparity of cornerbacks and in, in the NFL right now, I think Reed's just going to be too expensive and, um, you know, this is a team that feels pretty comfortable going out and finding guys, you know, mid to late rounds or kind of off the scrap heap and, and piecing it together. So I'm suspicious that they just won't be able to, to meet on the, the contract deals. Yeah. Shaquille Griffin this year for people curious had zero interceptions, all those ball skills, always looking back for the ball and seven passes defensed. Uh, DJ Reed, as we know, had at least two interceptions um and then i can't look it up real quick but i know he had way more than seven passes defensed um 
But to your point, Nathan, um, in that PFF article, they predicted we would have been hoping maybe seven or eight million. And you were like, I think you might get 10. They were predicting nine million a year um, for DJ Reed. And I think that that's I'd pay that. I'd pay that. I wouldn't think twice about it. Uh, Rasheem Green, we already talked about the next on the list. Gerald Everett. Uh, and this guy, man, he has different reactions from different people. There are people that think that he had a really bad and disappointing year. There's people that think he was untapped and showed a lot of promise. We all agree he had some of the worst plays of anybody on the team this year. No doubt about that. Um, I predict that I, I think they should sign him. I predict he's going to leave. I think he's going to get more money and they're not going to match it. Um, Everybody else is predicting that they're going to sign him and that, that they should sign him and that they will sign him. So I don't have a bunch that I need to detail here. It's just simple. You know, I, I think one, I think he could get a very lucrative offer Two, I wonder if he would want to come back here. I wonder if he feels like he sees he's going to get utilized enough. Um, signed a one year, $7 million deal. I could see him going to another team that is a little bit more of a pass centric team and just wanting to get a change or maybe just better weather. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, so I, I, I would like to see him back. Um, does anyone else want to talk a little bit about Gerald Everett? Okay. So next on the list, uh, I love this conversation, Ethan Posick. Uh, I believe he should be let go. Dana believes he should be let go. Jeff believes he should be get let go. Derek believes he should be let go. And the person who is right, thanks. And then there is Nathan, who is wearing his POSIC underoos and is just like staying up nights, concocting reasons why the Seahawks should keep you the POSIC. Tell us, Nathan, why do you want him? I would wear, I don't know what underoos are exactly. Are those like the pajamas that have the butt flap? <laughs> no they're oh. just kids underwear that that uh have characters on them okay i'd probably wear it up easton pothic uh underoo anyways um i think he's uh one i think he's he's uh underrated by most fans um i think he played quite a bit better than he gets credit for although he's you know by no means a, a star or anything like that uh, the other thing is i just don't know how much he's gonna cost i can't imagine that some team is gonna you know drop a big contract in his lap so Familiarity with the system, familiarity with Russell, played pretty good. Part of a line that was blocking out of their mind at the end of the year, especially, you know, they really got that run game going and should be cheap. Uh, so it just, I would be surprised if it, if he ended up leaving. Uh, it seems, seems like a, a really good deal for everyone involved. Yeah. So, so even though <laughs> Dana, <laughs> Dana, Jeff, Derek, and I all think that we should let him go. I think they're going to sign him. Jeff thinks they're going to sign him. Dana, you do think they're going to let him go. Why? Um, I think that, okay, maybe I should say I hope. I hope at this point that the Seahawks have really discovered what we have been screaming about for two seasons now in the center position. And and you, I, I said hope, Jeff. I said hope, Jeff. <laughs> But I told you, I, I've stopped convincing myself they're going to do these things. I spent so much time looking at all these centers last year. I know Brian did. I don't want to do that again. 
Right. I get it. And, you know, I, and I look at things like this too. It's like, you know, there just doesn't seem to be any reason to keep him if there are other options out there. But we also know that Seattle doesn't, you know, look into that. But I don't think he's played well. I know that toward the end of the season, the line got better, blah, blah, blah. But it's Ethan Posick. I just don't, I just don't, I don't think Seattle will see the value in him. Hopefully, Russell will be vocal enough to get to get him out of there. I, I wouldn't be, I mean, as much as I've talked crap about Ethan Posick, I wouldn't be furious if they sign Posick. I would oh. be really upset if they're signing him as their starter and that they don't try like again looking at free agency uh everyone's been talking about Ryan Jensen who's probably gonna be the top center in free agency from Tampa Bay I don't know how likely I think that is I think Brian Allen is a really interesting option for the Rams Waldron has familiarity with him he's one of the best centers or at least has been one of the best centers knows the offense uh so like I think that's an interesting option. Anytime you can steal from a division rival is good. Uh, I think Ben Jones is a guy that Evan brought up that has played well for Tennessee and has been a good pass protector and run blocker. And so you're going to have at least three, I think there's probably more quality free agent centers. I would like to see them go after one of those guys. And I don't know, centers don't command huge salaries. Like they just don't. So I think that they can go and get a left tackle that can be a good left tackle for them and get a new center. And I would feel significantly better about this offensive line. I know Jeff has given up all hope of anything. I'm just not happening. going through this again. We I am going through Portland it again. <laughs> and Portland's Lee was like a number one red center. And then we had, but he's the number one center. He's so expensive. I don't think I know, but we went through David Andrews and, we all got our hopes up, but we've seen just time. They don't value the position. I think, yeah. I think Nathan's right. Uh, I just, I don't want to put myself through this and get all excited about these left tackles and centers. And hopefully I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. That's why I wanted to change, but I just Jeff, can't go through Jeff it. Jeff thinks wrong. we're just going to roll out the exact same team. It's going to be identical. <laughs> the offensive line is going to be almost the same. It might be. Uh, next on the list is Sidney Jones. And uh, let's see, every one of us thinks that they should sign him. Um, myself and Dana believe that he's either going to, the CFC are going to let him walk or he's just going to leave. Um, my perspective is they're going to make DJ Reed a priority. And I think they're going to bet too much on Trey Brown's recovery personally. And they're going to say, we're not going to spend top dollar on Sidney Jones. They might also look at what they got from bless Austin and, you know, Mike Jackson and, you know, John Reed and just convince themselves that they don't need to spend significant dollars on two starting corners. Um, and I think a 25 year old Sidney Jones could actually command almost the same deal that DJ Reed's going to get like Sidney Jones was a second round pick. He's been injuries. The only thing that's really held him up. Somebody could see him as, you know, their starting corner. So that's kind of where I see him potentially getting let go. Um, you know, Nathan or Jeff, you know, you both have, well, I guess, Nathan, you have them signing him. So you think they're going to sign him, but not DJ Reed. Say why. I, I think the league will be, the league will be a little cooler on, on Jones. Um, I could see Reed being seen as almost, 
you know, not like a top tier, but like that that next set of free agents. Whereas I think there will still be concerns about about Jones and his injury history and everything he's gone through there. Um, and so, and I I think that Jones may want to come back and you know another one year. I, I can see Jones doing a one year deal, right? He's probably not going to be looking for a long term deal like Reed probably is. Um, <clears throat> so again, just kind of a sweet spot thing where he comes back for one year maybe six or seven million dollars um and everyone's happy and you know you send him on his way next year if he has another good season yeah and I, I, that's my honest thinking essentially is the price i think jones has gone through waivers twice now and there hasn't he hasn't been claimed i don't think either time uh last year the jaguars signed shaq griffin they had cj henderson who was a top 10 pick the year before the whole league knew he was available and he went for a six-round pick so we've seen multiple instances where this guy was available for free and no one had bidders on him. So I don't suspect that there's going to be a lot of bidding on him. We've seen it multiple times. So I don't think like a stretch of five, six games where he played well, it's going to change that perspective. I hope you're right. I mean, I, I hope you're right. And God, speaking of things not changing, I could see him being cheap and the CX still deciding not to 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 bring him back like for the reasons i mentioned and that would even be worse right like he goes for five million a year and becomes like a the same legitimate starter he's been uh for this year for the seahawks if the seahawks signed sydney jones and dj reed i think they'd be in really good shape at corner like not sherman browner and walt thurmond and those that shape but i think that they need solid shape i would feel really good about that position and it's been a Very disaster from last year. Yeah. Very different from where we were at last year. Yeah. That I think that we would, and then having, you know, Trey to come back to, there would actually be a little bit of depth there. And, and hopefully that's the way the team will see it. Yeah. Agreed. Oh, God, that would be nice. Um, Kevin we already King talked King about Brandon show. Oh, sorry. Go on. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, Kevin King last year signed a one year, basically $5 million deal. There's void years. And so, so it's whatever, but um, I mean, I don't know that I see Jones really going for a ton more than that. I hope you guys are right. That would be cool. Um, I hope you're right, and I hope that he signs here. Uh, Brandon Shell, we already talked about. Will Disley. Uncle Will, UW products. Um, I think that they should sign him. Dana thinks they should sign him. Nathan thinks they should sign him. Jeff, tell our University of Washington audience why Will Disley sucks and you don't want them to sign him. I don't think he sucks. I just, <laughs> I think the injuries have taken a toll on him. And I just don't think he makes the kind of guy that makes sense. They bring back on a second contract. And I really like Will Disley. He's, he's been a really fun player. He's been, it was an awesome draft pick, but he just hasn't looked that impactful the last couple of years. And unless you can get him back for like dirt cheap, again, I don't think they're in a position to be paying these role players raises. So Maybe I'm wrong. I know they have to sign one of the two tight ends, but I think it'll be Everett and not this. Well, where I, where I, you know, you and I are somewhat similar is even though I want them to sign him, I have a feeling they're going to let him go. And I kind of go back and forth. I know that they love Will Disley and I, he fits perfectly with what they want to do. Um, I just wonder, they've got Colby Parkinson. Um do they do they go a different direction um, in adding another tight end? Um, you know, and and there's some choices to be made there, even if it's in the draft. So um, 
it wouldn't surprise me if they bring him back. I think I'd be happy to have him back. And I think that part of what we, I thought he looked fine this year. I just think that Gerald Everett took all the, he played the, whatever is the wide tight end, whatever it is that they gets the, the targets. So I just don't think we know that he was suddenly less capable of running those routes. Um, but I just don't know that a Will Disley, Colby Parkinson pairing is, is great. I don't know. Um, although Pete singled out Colby Parkinson as a guy that could have a huge breakout, be a star next year. Um, yeah, what'd you say, Jeff? Oh, I just said, oh boy. But I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's why uh, Will won't be signed. I think, you start seeing some uh, a lot of some more targets going Colby's way. I think they're going to replace this. Yeah, yeah. I just think he's going to be too cheap, and I do think that they love him. I went around on a little bit on this one, but like I'm looking through like okay, some of these guys are a little older, so uh, not apples to apples, but like Levine Toilolo, he's 31. He signed for one point a one year one point one or one point six million dollar deal. Uh, Tyler Croft signed like a two million per year deal. Max Williams, basically the same thing. Um, Hayden Hurst is 29. He signed a two-year, basically $2 million a year deal. Like, I think that Disley's market will be somewhere around there. And if nothing else, I think he still is a, a above-average blocker, if not even better than that. And so just, I think it fits too well with what they want. They probably love him and he should be cheap. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. The other thing you have to keep in mind about Will, too, is that Russ loves him. And I think that, you know, if they're going to, you know, try to keep Russ there, which I still think Russ will be there next year, we, we have to remember that that his input there, I think, will be somewhat important in that. And, I mean, they're always together in the offseason. I was so, going to ask you, like, what does the Bears quarterback's opinion have to do with? <laughs> oh, no, it's the Broncos. Because, you know, oh. he slipped and said, almost said Broncos on that Manning cast. So now the Broncos fans are like, oh, he's coming to Denver. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> depends. Whatever. Depends on the day. <laughs> uh, Al Woods, um, I think they should sign him. And Dana thinks they should sign him. Jeff thinks they should sign him. Nathan thinks they should let him go. What the fuck, dude? We do this every year. They find some... What, 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 what? You're no huh? fun. I said you're no fun. <laughs> what about what? He just promoted uh, this. It's just like, you know, they bring in... What does the dude's... Booger McDaniels or whatever they bring in uh Al Woods they bring in I don't I don't even remember Ataba Rubin uh they just they find they find Al Woods every year uh and if they if they find Al Woods in Al Woods that's cool I'm good with that I don't I don't really care but my guess is they probably let him go and maybe he gets a little bit of money because he played well this year and they find the next Al Woods Hmm. okay all right yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, he was great this year so I, I i wouldn't be i wouldn't be shocked if what you said happens i i do think there are other alwoods out there i just uh man he he was a hand and glove fit this year so it'd be nice um same way like tony mcdaniel back in the day was like not the guy that anybody talked about in the lob defense but it's a great part of that defense um played a really important role um alex collins we talked about Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. Um, so this one is mostly going to go as expected, but let's talk. 
I believe that they should sign him and that they will sign him. Dana believes that they should sign him and that they will sign him. Nathan believes they should let him go and that he's going to leave. Jeff thinks they should let him go, but that they're going to sign him. Jeff, you're the most in conflict here. Explain yourself. I would be very, very nervous about signing him. Just you're paying for, it's like baseball and someone lights up spring training. You've, you've seen all this stuff for years. And then the one time they're about to get paid, they light up. So just from a in terms of just like a pure investment strategy, it seems like as every quality of buyer beware that you can imagine. But I, with everyone coming back and them rolling it back and those have those last two games, I would almost bet every dollar I had that they signed him back. Um, I can't see many scenarios unless he gets a crazy offer. I think they bought into a lot of what happened at the end of the year and you saw how that offense came together. I'm going to be very nervous about what that price comes out to. This is one more interesting free agent players I can remember in a while just because of what he did and what he was for the first four years and just what he turned into. But I am certain they are going to sign him. Yeah, Nathan, I, I give you shit, but I was strongly against signing Rashad Penny like weeks ago. And it is easy to say and totally fair to say, God, you cannot change your mind about the logic of signing an injured, multiple injured running back to a second contract um, who's only performed in five consecutive games once in his career. That has all the signs, as Jeff's saying, is a bad idea. I think his performance was so extraordinary, and this is where I think you and I maybe see things differently, that it just makes sense to take the flyer. Now, there's a limit to that, how much I would pay, but I think you're, let me know. I mean, I'm just guessing. I want to know. Like, I think your perspective is a lot of that was the offensive line, and you can find an, other guys that could do most of what Rashad, Rashad Penny did. His perspective is he hates running backs and doesn't want to give them a damn dime. That's his whole perspective. Do you have anything more to that, add to, like, that, to that, Nathan? You can, you can go and look, and the dude's running through holes that are four Rashad Pennies wide sometimes. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Him. He's doing his yeah. job. Yeah, great. Uh, there's a lot of people that can do that job. Uh, oh, Lord. I mean, I don't want to take too much away from him because, like, you know, looking through the list and some of these guys, like Jalen Richard and you know Leonard Fournette, and I don't, I don't know that Raheem Mostert's gonna, you know, make it to the market, but a lot of these guys, you know, can they do 90 percent of what Penny did? Yeah, I think probably. Um, but you are losing something there, right? Um, uh, and, and you know, uh, some of these guys like Sony Michelle, I don't think you can just plug in and he'll do the exact same thing Penny did um so it really just comes down to price you know um i would take moster over penny i think pretty pretty easily mm -hmm. um but again i don't know what his price is going to be um so you know if they bring him back on a reasonable deal great uh clearly it fit and he was able to take yeah he maximized what he was given like you can't argue with that part right um so i won't be sad about that at all but you know if they're gonna drop you know, the, I'm looking here, Melvin Gordon's a free agent and, and he got paid 8 million bucks on his last deal. Uh, that would be not so great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all, I think we're on agreement. Maybe not Dane. I mean, would you give Rashad Penny starter money 8 million a year? 
No, I, I wouldn't. And I, I don't think anyone else would either, to be quite honest with you. I think that um, if, if Seattle's smart, well, first of all, it cracked me up though, because you could tell at the end of the year, they almost felt like they were vindicated. It's like, see, see, we told you he could actually play football. I mean, they were pushing the narrative so much, right? But I think that, and, and good for him. I was glad, like I've said this before, I was thrilled for him that he could actually show what he could do and he didn't become the butt of the joke. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I, I would think that they shouldn't pay him starter money and maybe even give him a smaller deal. I hate to say prove it because but that he can actually stay healthy for a whole season and if he can do obviously he's not going to repeat what he did just at the end there but even if he has a good solid season and manages to stay completely available for the whole season then maybe then they you know extend him or do whatever but no starter money no I don't I don't think that many people would think that was smart okay that's the last interesting player I will go through the other two just to can I throw out some some running back scenarios to you guys yeah please well first of all I guess what are you guys willing to pay for Sean Penny oh, Rasheem Penny like a year uh, or total or guaranteed yeah let's just say yeah give me like a year and just like an uh, you know an average per year I know it's, it's always like there's funny money in terms of what it all works out to in first year and stuff but three to four million. I'd say four. Four? Over mm-hmm. like a couple of years or one year at least, Jeff, or that's where you're at too? I'd say like two years, 10 million is fine. Yeah. So JD McKissick is 29, so he's older. He made $1.6 million last year. Would you rather have Penny at however many years, four or five million, or JD McKissick at two million? Penny. Penny. Penny fascinating uh would you rather have uh where did it go uh marlon mack at two million really you'd pay double to have oof yeah way off i would i would in a heartbeat i would prefer to save a million or two million or three million dollars and get marlon mack or jd mckissick or has Marlon Mack had any single game where his EPA was higher than Aaron Rodgers? Did well, okay. <laughs> Has he had three games? Has he had four games? I don't like, know how many running backs. Period. Have yeah, that. I mean, that's the point. I mean, that's but what I'm saying. His performance you, was so extreme. Do you really think that's just him? Like, do you really well, think, think it's just him? But I think that what would have been ten. 15 yard plays were 30, 40, 60 yard plays. And I think you pay for that. That's a huge, huge difference. It's and there's not many running backs in the history of the franchise that have done what he's done. So that is different. And they've been way better offensive lines than what we ran out there for that last five games. Hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that's Pete loves those explosive plays. I mean, that's, well, you know, that's his deep. just to, play devil's advocate what you guys are saying do you guys watch the i don't know if you saw the bucks game this week uh they put all their money in their offensive line we've seen what leonard fournette did leonard fournette ronald jones were out they had a guy Keyshawn vaughn who was like a fifth round pick probably making the league minimum and he looked fine their offense ran perfectly fine so i think that's building the case of what nathan's saying uh, like jarek mckinnon started for the chiefs this weekend and he had i think 170 yards he's probably making the league minimum so I kind of get where Nathan's coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think Jarek McKinnon is an interesting one because I mean, look, they're like Penny is fast. 
and that counts for something. And he's also a big dude, and he has guys problems. Guys in the secondary problems that Marlon Mack maybe doesn't, right? But like, yeah, like Jarek McKinnon, who couldn't see the football field for years, right? He shows up, huh? Yeah, yeah, gets hurt. Which you know, Penny's dealt with his fair share of that too. you know, he gets behind a good line and he's fast and look what, and he got 170 yards, right? I mean, it's not that simple, but I think, uh, I think f- people are way overestimating the amount that Penny's adding on top. I think he's, mm. you y- can't knock him again. Like I said, he's maximizing his opportunities and he does have a skill set that fits it well, but I don't think it's a necessarily you, that unique. Do you, do you, we don't have to go down a rabbit hole in this, but do you discount the running backs yard over expected? metric so uh i i don't dis i don't love that metric um and so penny's uh on his 62 yard or 60 whatever yard touchdown the expected yards on that was like seven yards um and so the way that they put that together is it's based a lot off of pre-snap data um so just you know where they are uh, on the field and how the defense is lined up and, and some of that different stuff. Um, and then, you know, there's, it's not capped, but they limit how high, or it, it's hard to get much higher than seven yards. They don't like artificially limit it, but it's just, you know, you're not going to see a lot of these runs where it's like, Oh yeah, you should have gotten 20 yards. Right. Where if you go and you watch that play with Penny. Yeah. I think a lot of backs are getting 15 to 20 yards there. Right. At least. Um, so I think that there's some caveats with that stat. The reason I bring it up, I mean, you know, it's just a fascinating conversation. I, one, I don't know if I'm positive this is the right number, but I believe he had more yards over expected than any other running back had yards um, in his five game stretch. So like he was by that metric, way, way, way outperforming what other running backs were doing in similar situations. Now you bring up some points about why that might not be as relevant. The other thing is I think Alex Collins is a pretty good running back. Um, you know, and we saw in the Pittsburgh game, he was able to do some things. I think we saw some like bad reads. There were holes earlier in the season that were not getting run to, or the right reads were getting made. Pete mentioned that that was his perspective. Um, so, and we saw Chris Carson even earlier on when he was healthy was not necessarily getting some of the same thing, you know, yardage. So I think Chris Carson's a good back. So I don't think it, it's as simple as just, it's all the offensive line doing everything. Um, and I don't think that's what you're saying, but it is just a, what we saw from Penny, I think was mind bogging by mind bogglingly different than we're seeing from almost anybody. So that that's that's why it's gonna be you, you can name a bunch of guys. I don't know that I don't think Jarek McKinnon and or JD McKissick, that I think there's a zero percent chance that they would have had the same yardage in those five games that Rashad Penny did. Yeah. The only other thing I'll add on is that, and I should tweet this out. I've been uh I've been thinking about actually writing something, but I'm probably too lazy. So uh uh Seattle has had stretches like this in the past. It's very rare. So first of all, you know, there's a lot of people like, oh, they just finally played Pete's way of offense. Like, no, they didn't. (laughs) They did something extraordinary that like, that is not just how Pete thinks his defense or offense should go. That was like, you know, 
uh, insane uh, running. Um, and the other thing is, you know, this is something that even in the past when like they've had good running backs and some good run blocking lines and stuff, they can't sustain it. And I don't think any offense can sustain it. Um, uh, you know, I think if this, if this had been the first five games of the year, I think we would have seen it taper off. Instead, it was the last five and the season just ends. And now it seems like it just goes on forever and they're just going to keep doing that forever. I don't think they will. And so that to me, like the idea that like Penny is going to keep adding this much over expectation, I, I just don't think the opportunity will be there for him. So, you know, I think it's a combination of things where I definitely you know, don't buy into running backs importance as much as other folks. And I just think overall, like that run game will not be sustained and, and Penny will not be able to have the opportunity to do the stuff that he was doing in the last few games. Yeah. And, and I don't think enough gets talked about. I know Dwayne Brown mentioned this, but the work that Shane Waldron and Andrew Dickerson and part of that stretch does not get mentioned enough. And I know Dwayne after the last game was saying that Waldron that Vance Joseph blitzes them a ton to kind of get to wrestle. And Waldron had a lot of calls, which as Nathan said, were just opening up gaping holes. And I don't think that gets, <laughs> yeah, I use that term. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think the offense started clicking and coming together and we've seen what's happened even with the Rams in the second half of the year, they've moved. I think Matt, Matt Stafford threw 17 passes yesterday. I think a lot of that might've been scheme. And I, I think it's easy to discount what Waldron did, but, I think you saw the offense and what it looks like with the creative running game. And we saw Penny hit on all cylinders in that offense, but I think that's a good sign for next year. Wasn't there, I hope I'm not divulging state secrets, but wasn't there a rumor that, that Dickinson was the real prize of the Waldron hire that. Well, the hair else was amazing. Oh he yeah. Dreads at the end of the year. Did anyone notice that? Oh no. yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous amazing am i making that up or is that was that a thing? i never heard that okay well apparently he was just like a really good run scheme guy yeah i i want to say that i heard somewhere that he was uh a big part of the appeal of the waldron hire yeah i really i totally hear with everything you guys are saying and i don't discount it to be honest the only thing i would just offer as something that, that I would point to is I do think that Tom Cable and Marshawn Lynch and the offensive line figured something out in 2011 in Dallas. And you can look at Marshawn Lynch before that and Marshawn Lynch after that, same player, same capabilities, and he was a different running back from that point forward. I think there is a non-zero chance that what we saw for the last five games was Rashad Penny in this offensive line was this similar kind of awakening. So we're all guessing. Nathan, you could totally be right that this is, we just happened to get that five game stretch here, never see it again. And you now you've paid money that you could have spent on something way more important. I will never believe a running back should be like a top paid part of your, your team. So I won't be crushed, but man, it would be really hard to go see Rashad Penny run for 1800 yards on another team for 5 million a year. Like that, that would be hard. And I'd, I'd pay to not see that. I'd pay for it to see him fail here instead of the chance of that happening somewhere else. So, so do you bring back Chris Carson? Cause I think if you have Penny, you have to, he's best as a volume running back. I, if, if we can get money for letting go of Chris Carson, I would do it. Um, I do think you need another 
running back that can step in as a starter and it's not Travis Homer and it's not DJ Dallas. Yeah. It's not Travis Homer. Travis Homer had a couple. He had a good year. So he had a couple of runs there at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, all right. We've kept Dana long enough. Let's, let's, let's close out on these last two. Dana's like, Oh my God, these guys. Um, I love it. What are you talking about? Running backs are my favorite. Don't you? I know. I know. Um, Geno Smith. Uh, I think we all, we all agreed that he should be let go. Jeff predicts he's going to go to the CFL. Uh, he may be in a jail cell depending on, on what happens with his off field stuff. Hopefully not. Hopefully it turns out that that was a misunderstanding or something. Um, Nathan, you predict that they're going to sign him. I, I don't know that that's worth a big conversation. I wouldn't be shocked if they sign him. I'd be disappointed if they did. Yeah. I just, they've never cared much about like getting the developmental prospect there. And Hey, he played, you know, lights out in that Jags game. So I don't, I don't know that he did anything this year that they didn't. He had the same passer rating and the same PFF grade as our $35 million quarterback. So he's the same player. I think that's yeah, what was the raise. I think is what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It sounds like a perfect backup to me. <laughs> uh, yes. When Russell Wilson has the worst year of his career, Geno Smith can equal him. Um, okay. Do you think any of the drama with DK uh, makes Ooh. it less likely? That I love. Oh, wait. I thought you were going in a different direction. I think you're saying if any of the drama from DK was stirred up by him and Geno talking yeah. behind Russell's back. Is that that's what, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So does it make it less likely? Do they got to get Geno out of town? Because love that idea. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a, you brought it up. I think that's a perfectly I think that makes a lot of sense. Gino had that 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 might have been a costly tweet after that Packers game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I remember that watching DK was pointing to him on the sideline. Yeah, they went and uh Russ missed him and him and DK went and huddled up and we're all yeah. like, Yeah. Such a soap opera. Mm. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh my god. That would be that would be fascinating um golden tate all over again okay uh last and i think probably least um although i'd probably put kendichi below him but somehow he didn't get paid less um is demarco jones um i was actually kind of surprised at the uniformity i'm here everybody thought that they should let him go except jeff you thought that they should sign him yeah i think he's a valuable backup lineman i think he could play multiple tackle spots he can play guard and i don't think he'll cost very much brian i'm stunned that you he's like your favorite he's like your pet project other than phil haynes you, you turned on jamarco jones <laughs> what has happened here uh, jamarco jones is fine i wouldn't lose any sleep one way or another i feel like he's blocked um from getting anywhere on this team he's not going to be their left tackle starting left tackle i think we know that I think that he's not going to be their starting right tackle. I think we know that. I think he's a fine swing tackle backup. Um, but I just want them to put money into left tackle and center. And so. I, I think you just summed up why I don't think he's going to get paid. I don't think he's going to be anyone's left or right tackle. I think he's a backup lineman who will cost nothing to bring back. So I would like to pay him to have a valuable backup lineman. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, that's really what the, the entire conversation from Dwayne Brown down comes down to. It all comes down to how much money they think Seattle is in very good shape cap wise. We have to keep that in mind. And so they have a little money to play with, but obviously we want to make sure they put that money into the right spots. But if they want to page Marco Jones to come be a backup and he'll take it, hell yeah, keep him. Why the hell not? Okay. We have come. All to I can the think of now is that uh, friendship ended with. Friendship over with Jamarco Jones. Now uh, Haynes is my best friend meme. <laughs> he does love the Phil Haynes. I have turned on Jamarco Jones. Wow. <laughs> I have not turned. I just, you know, we've come to that point. It's not going to happen. So you got to let go. I, Phil Haynes, man. Phil Haynes 2022. Uh, let's see it happen. Starting my left guard over Damian Lewis. Center, baby. Um, all right. We have gone through tons of news, all the free agents. We have more to talk about next week about um, future other free agents not on the team, top choices. I don't know if we're gonna have Jeff on that show because he's just gonna be there, like sad face, like we're not gonna sign any of these guys. I don't want. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this for the fourth year in a row where we end up with Benson Mayo uh, after I spent hours. <laughs> yeah, don't have me on. Let me take a week off. Yeah, we might give you a week off, dude. Uh, but tomorrow, be there for Softy and myself and Jeff and Dana. And Jeff's going to be super enthusiastic about that conversation. I can guarantee it. It's going to be a whole new day. Um, and if you haven't already, click subscribe. Give the show a like. Uh, you have to subscribe to be in the chat, as you know now. So we appreciate you doing that. And um, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger get instant access to the slack channel that's where hundreds of folks are talking and continuing the conversation we did not do patreon questions tonight so we will do those tomorrow night we'll take the questions that we got for tonight we'll ask them with softy tomorrow night we'll cover them there um really appreciate everyone tuning in lots of folks watching live we always appreciate you uh and there may be more news uh there we'll be there to cover it if there is but until tomorrow night, take care. Go Hawk.